Yeah. We better get this show monetized real quick in case we lose our jobs. (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh. we're going to have to edit out so much laughing. (laughs) Woo, are y'all ready? Are y'all ready for this? Welcome to Nuance Tea. I'm Brittany. And I'm Aurelia. And we are two clergy women speaking on pop culture, identity, and healing. We are steeping into our power and we want you to join us. We are so excited for our third episode and for you, listener, being here, joining us for our discussion around ancestors and ancestral connection and healing. We can't wait to jump into the conversation in just a little bit. But first, as always, let's begin with our weekly essentials. Brittany, I want to know, I'm in suspense, what are your essentials this week? Yes, my essentials I must admit that in preparation for this episode, I listened to some of my favorite music to get into the groove because I planned on sharing some music that has been nourishing my soul, not only this week, but honestly, for the last couple months, Um, just recently, I had a conversation with my childhood best friends about ancestral healing and connection to ancestors. Um, and, And through this, I was informed of some wonderful music. And the artist that I just have to share for this week, for my essentials, the suspense. I can't take it. (laughs) (laughs) Is Jadena. Yes. So so Jadena is a artist that I was not as hip to in the beginning um, when he first came out with a single. But the more I talked to my friends about him and his own background with Mm -hmm. spirituality Mm -hmm. and his connection with his ancestry that goes back to Africa and him being biracial and his connection all around and just how he mentions it in his music. I connect to him and how he talks about relationships and everything. So I am jazzed about Jadena. And I wanted to share, I'm just gonna share one song, but I could share many. But this Uh, song, interviews, photos from the Insta feed. (laughs) Yes, Jadena, you just don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sleep on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so Jadena has a song called Sufi Woman, and it is a song that is meant to be inspiration for those who are on the margins so to speak within spirituality so it really touched me to see how he talked about it and to lift up those voices who might not be seen overall within spirituality so I just loved it and I really identified with it so I'm gonna play a little 
bit of that. Ready? Ready. I <laughs> yeah. Can we take a pause? Can we take a minute? <laughs> I love it. Ah, so good. He's so smart with his art. <laughs> mm-hmm. You gotta love your dinner. I even dedicated one of his songs to my dog, who um mm-hmm. I no longer have with me. Mm-hmm. But it was such a meaningful connection to learn more about your dinner at that time and then to also connect it with my aspen overall jadena is a win for how i'm taking care of myself this week and in connection to our episode on ancestors yes 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 well please share your essential for the week i want to know i want to know i want to know yes well okay so This essential that I'm going to share is a book that I have been reading since the summer with a group of other women, and it has been an essential, not just this week, but in this season of my life, Mm -hmm. digging deeper into my identity. And yes, of course, into my ancestral connection and healing, which is what we're talking about today, of course. And we've been reading this book really slowly, meeting once a month and talking about it and also trying to incorporate some of the practices into real life. And it's been really, really good. Of course, of course, everything's on Zoom. So it's been Zoom, but some of my favorite Zoom experiences of the last year, for sure. And I wanted to share a little quote from it. Feel like it's so compelling and also just really relevant to our conversation. This quote is from the chapter, um, the essay called Reclaiming Our Mother, Reclaiming Ourselves by Alba Onofrio. And it says this We must first collect the scattered pieces of our stolen cultures, languages, histories, and religious traditions. And then We must sort, discard, reclaim, and recreate ourselves in the images of the sacred we see. By acknowledging our spiritual authority as healers and co-creators, we are able to take the best of our past and weave new ancient practices on the loom of our sharpest political analysis. And in doing so, We carve out sacred spaces for our aching diasporic bodies to find spiritual identity and home in the powerful legacies of our many ancestors. Mm, I like it. It sounds so grounding. It is. It is. This book is so good. There's chapters on um, creating altar spaces, moon meditations, medicinal foods, dreaming, life changes, art, blessings. I mean, I haven't even finished it because we've been moving so slowly and you have to move slowly because it's just mm. so good to really embody it. Really 
we are going to jump into sharing the mantra that we posted on our community page, both on Instagram and on Facebook. And this week we are sharing the mantra, love heals. Love heals. Yes, it does. Mm. That mantra, we had a community question and it was, how is love healing you in this season? And we got a lot of feedback from folks and we want to take some time to give some shout outs and share what resonated with us this week. Yeah. Want to jump in? Mm-hmm. The comment that stood out during that particular week when we did Love Heals was from Forrest. Shout out to Forrest. Thank you for, yes. for sharing. Forrest talked a lot about the way he's been experiencing healing has been through giving grace and love to his younger self. And of course that resonated with me. We might be talking about something similar very soon. Coming soon. (laughs) So that really resonated with me. And he said, I have not only learned to love myself authentically, knowing that I did the best I could with the resources I had at the time, but also that my inability to authentically love myself was a dam blocking the flow of divine love of God through me to others. He said, the eyes that can now see and care for the wounded child and myself doing his best can much more easily do that for others. That was good. I mean, really, what do I get? What do I add? That was so good. So well said. And just a reminder that we're all connected and not just all of us in this present moment, our ancestors, our past, our present and the future to come, we're all connected. And it begins in that inner well of inside ourselves of love and grace and compassion. And a lot of us did experience trauma as children. I mean, it's pretty impossible not to in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. So looking back on that child and learning to offer that child, maybe the love that he or she was missing or they is a really healing practice that helps us love others better. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, to add to that, I just really loved how he talked about um, the dam. It just brought up um, just this imagery of how we can expand and open up. And when we're able to do that, it welcomes abundance in our own lives, whether it is to ourselves within our inner child or child self, um, but also an expansion to those that we're around and who are connected to. So Forrest. It was truly a powerful metaphor, that that damn metaphor. That damn metaphor. That damn metaphor. <laughs> that damn metaphor was good. <laughs> it was poetic. It was powerful. Uh, it just like, I felt it in my body. So thank you, Forrest, for taking the time to share your words with us. Yeah. Um, what about you, though, Brittany? What, did, what, what resonated with you about Love Heals and the responses we got? Yes. So there are two specifically that I wanted to mention, and both of them are connected to family. So the first one is from Kendra, 
and she wrote, Becoming a mom has added depth to my perception of love. It's given me an incredible amount of strength and confidence. The other comment I saw that is related to family, and it's from Rachel, and it says, love and support of family and friends has been very healing. So both of those things, I just felt the need for support in this time right now and how family, and not only biological family, but those that you are connected to can lend support in this time because we all need it from friends, from pets, from whomever. Um, So I really loved hearing those things and also just imagining um, having a newborn and that bringing this this new found confidence um, into, into, into life, into being. So yeah, I was just excited to see how those things brought love and healing all together. I know that in the last year, pandemic, so much turmoil socially and politically. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're just coming out of this crazy ass winter storm. Food is hard to come by. People still don't have water and there's so Mm -hmm. much happening. I know for me, I, I feel the most comfort and ease when I'm with my daughter, even Mm -hmm. just being in her flow, you know, like I've said before, she's able to kind of remind me of what, you know, is most important, what really matters in my life. As we jump into our main conversation for this episode, we are continuing to talk about ancestors and how that connects with us and even might connect to the mantra, love heals. So we are continuing the conversation on what that means. And Aurelia, I would love for you to jump in and tell me how you connect to ancestors and what that looks like for you. Yeah. Thank you for asking. <laughs> of course. I think that, you know, my entry point into this conversation, funny enough, begins with my name. <laughs> All right. My name. I have a lot of conflicting emotions around my name and Actually, I'm not really a person prone to, to shame. I don't go to shame right off the bat. That's not my struggles, like fear, other things, but I don't feel shame a lot, but I feel a lot of shame around my name. And I have been spending the last couple of years unpacking that and trying to figure out what that's about and find some healing. And I have noticed that this journey with my name is very much a part of the larger journey in finding that ancestral connection and healing. But basically my name is Aurelia in Spanish and it's a Spanish name. It's a Latin origin. And my father is Mexican-American, my mother's 
Filipina and Czech Jew, actually. <laughs> but oh. I grew up, I grew up with my dad. Of course, I look like my dad. And um, I grew up really disconnected from other brown people. And I never learned Spanish. My dad didn't ever learn Spanish because of the time he grew up. He was forced to assimilate. He would have been punished in school for speaking Spanish. And the way that that my grandmother, and my grandfather knew to survive was mm -hmm. to assimilate. So their kids were not taught Spanish out of survival. So yeah. my dad never learned Spanish, right? So then I didn't learn Spanish. So the way that I say my name is the way that I was given it. I say Aurelia, as you hear in the intro. Um, and I've noticed I have a lot of shame around this because I am not saying it correctly, quote unquote, correctly. And uh, ever since I moved to Texas, I've been in Texas for like 10. How long have I been here, Brittany? <laughs> 13, 14 years, you know, moving from Louisiana, I didn't get this a lot in Louisiana because there was nobody who looked like me where I lived. But when I moved to Texas, of course, there are people who look like me who are from where my ancestors are from right there across the border. And, um, and I get corrected all the time. <laughs> I'll be in Costco. I'll be in REI. I'll be at the gas station. People just love to tell me that I'm saying my name wrong. And mm. I call it a shame button. It's one of my little shame buttons where, you know, if you push it, it doesn't, you don't realize you're pushing it, but, the, but I feel it and I go and I spiral into this place of shame. So like if somebody corrects my name, I feel this deep, intense shame about it. Um, but I feel really stuck. I get anxiety when I'm around other like Latina, la Latino people or Chicanas, like from, you know, Tejanas from, te from Texas here where like, I don't, <laughs> it's like, okay, do I, say my name in the Spanish accent. And then they respond to me and they think I can speak Spanish. And then I feel all the shame of not being able to speak Spanish. Or do I say my name Aurelia? And then they, I like say it really white. And so then they like, no, I can't speak Spanish. Um, but then I risk the shame of being corrected. <laughs> so. Yeah. Lots of tension. Sounds like, what do you do? Yeah get the craziest amounts of anxiety entering spaces um uh like yeah like latinx spaces basically because i basically feel like i'm a disgrace to my heritage to my ancestors and so yeah i've been doing a lot of work in the last probably year especially trying to figure out what it looks like to find healing and also very uncomfortably stepping into those spaces anyway and and like engaging in community because I think that's part of the healing even though I feel like a fraud but I'm learning you know a lot of like I consider myself Chicana a lot of people like me feel that way. It's like, you can never know enough Spanish and it be enough is what I'm learning. There's just yeah. this liminal space that a lot of us live in because of that history of stolen language, 
stolen land, stolen um, culture, and sort of being pushed into this liminal space over the course of generations. So, I mean, I can say so much and I'll probably, I'm sure we'll go back and forth and I'll say more in a minute, but that's kind of how I'm entering this conversation, this conversation as kind of like, that's why it feels relevant because I feel in just one tiny example, my name, which I have to say every day almost, (laughs) um, I feel all the weight of, of generational wounds. Does that Mm. make sense? Yep. That's just one. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little one. (laughs) Yeah. A little big one to start (laughs) off. Yeah. Our connection to ancestors and more specifically yours. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that a lot. Um, So thank you for the vulnerability and sharing that. It actually brought up a lot more than I ever thought (laughs) from you just saying that in this moment. But for me, I think my biggest connection um, when I think about ancestors and ancestry right now is I feel like there's so much being brought up and a lot of collective trauma in this time And I know when I speak with a lot of my um, childhood best friends, when we're talking about our connection um, to the to the divine and to ancestry, um, a lot of it is wrapped up in how we think about Christianity as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of the way white supremacy is infiltrated in Christianity a lot of the time, I've seen a lot of my Black friends wanting to explore a lot more outside of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a big way that um, spirituality and ancestry has been brought up in my own life in this time. Um, But also through that, there's also been a lot of me wanting to go back into my own family history to learn more of it. But that also comes with its own set of trauma because when I've asked family members about our roots and how much they know, it only goes to a certain point, which is basically as far as you can get before slavery in America. So because of that, it feels difficult to try and explore and expand outside of um, what it might have looked like before we touched down in the United States. Um, But it's opened up a lot for me to first to begin to explore on my own, tapping into the connections I already have. But for me, it also taps into this exploration within spirituality and knowing that the unseen ancestors that I might not even know about um, are still here very present um, guiding and are able to help lead me when I tap in and ask for guidance in that way. So I'm still exploring what that looks like and I I have lots more that's even coming up as I say it now (laughs) but that is my beginning point um, into thinking and talking about ancestors. Yeah, it's so 
much to sift through. And I mean, we could talk all night long. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about, okay, this is kind of going to sound funny and was not in my notes at all. But Mm -hmm. as you know, I watched Cobra Kai. On Netflix, I told I was telling you this yesterday. It's the Karate Kid. Okay, I forgot the name. He was in a bar, and he was just sitting there, kind of sad, depressed in Japan, and he was looking at a picture of Mr. Miyagi, and the bartender asked him, "Is that your, is that your friend, or something like that?" And he said something like, "Yeah, unfortunately, he's not here anymore." I really wish he was, I really wish I could talk to him right now or something like that. And the bartender who's Japanese, who's Asian, you know, who's a, not a Westernized culture. Uh, well, I mean, you know, religiously speaking anyway, in this, in this context, um, he said, that's such an American way to think about it. He <laughs> oh. was like, of course you can still talk to him. Of course he's still yes. here. Yeah. You know, and I, I did not, I was like, yes. Like, and I feel like it's Christianity's fault, honestly. It is. Yeah. Oh, I have something to say about that. Because <laughs> I remember when I was in seminary, um, one of my good friends who is from um, Beijing she would talk about how um, they would pay homage to their ancestors. It, it was just part of their tradition. That was just like typical um, what you do. You got to pay homage to the ancestors. But when she would talk about it in class, everybody would look at her like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, right. what are you talking about? How do you like pray to your ancestors? Mm-hmm. That does not sound normal or like what anybody should do. I feel like, Yes. Christianity has done us a disservice. But the other thing I feel like we don't talk about that's also connected is how terribly Christianity has shaped us to handle death Mm -hmm. um, in general. You know, we don't have good, healthy rituals around death. Yeah. Yeah. Because I also have been trying to make better sense of death and the language surrounding it. I've been um, exploring how I can utilize different language because even with my dog, for instance, it felt um, strange to repeat death when I can still feel her presence. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've been resonating a lot with transition um, and even exploring like language around reincarnation too which is a whole thing within christianity that is untouched (laughs) Mm -hmm. you better not (laughs) i'm just kidding free and what (laughs) and what's funny is we're like totally filtering (laughs) yeah oh my gosh well i was gonna say that the movie coco which i know you watched because road trip (laughs) together in the car um but I watched it before then too it really helped me because the same year that it came out my grandmother did she did die and I was really close to her so when she died I I it was kind of like you were saying like I I and I think this is normal for anybody like I I don't accept this I don't accept that that she's just gone like (laughs) 
I don't yeah. want to accept that. So I don't think, I think everybody probably feels that. Um, so when the movie Coco came out, it was really a healing movie for me because it made me realize that I could um, take a ritual like Dia de los Muertos, like I can take that and find real power in that ritual. And also when you do one ritual, you realize you can create other rituals, you know, it's just an entryway. And so that realizing that I could have that because I never had a close family member pass and nobody really in the family had done altars for the holiday. So I didn't see it happening growing up. But when my grandmother died, we all got out our our altars. Like we were all every year. Yes. She's got a freaking shrine in every family's house in my <laughs> in my family. But like oh, I love, love, but now it's like I'm pulling out the other people in our lives on my side, Lyle's side. And you know, it's my daughter gets to know them every year. We go through the pictures and we talk about it, and mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. And that's power. Like the way Coco showed it, that they kind of like disappear if mm-hmm. you're not remembered. That's true. <laughs> like that's yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. I just realized, hey, she she can still have power here. Her yeah. presence can still be here. And my kids can know her story. And, you know, we can we can learn again. We can learn once again to be a people who value our stories. Yep. I love all of that for sure. I have a keychain um, with my grandmother's picture on my paternal um, side of the family, which my uncle and aunt made right after um, she transitioned. So for me, initially that was difficult to keep with me um, because it was such a a, a big reminder, I, I guess. Um, but now it's just like something that resonates so much in keeping him, her memory alive. Um, and it really makes me want to do more of that around me within my own house, making sure I have pictures up, um, making sure I'm paying homage in some way. And even I'm gearing up to start my own altar, which I know nobody in my family. <laughs> <laughs> that has an altar but that's okay I'm still going for it (laughs) because it's so meaningful um, for me and it's like you said something I I can share with my own family um, too so I'm excited I'm excited about it yeah I wish we had time um, in this space though I don't think we do to really go into altar spaces. That's a whole nother conversation. We'll have to have some time just because I do feel, I do feel passionate about it as clergy, I guess, um, that that is not something to be afraid of and that you're missing out on a lot of divine encounter by closing Mm -hmm. yourself off to bodily, um, experiences using your senses to engage God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mad at that too. Maybe yes. we have a whole episode on Christianity. Yeah. Tea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The tea on Christianity. We will spill the tea. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yes. We need it. We need that. 
for our souls and for all who are listening, um, it's so important. And it just makes me think about all of the decolonial work we need to do within our lives, within our faith traditions, um, and how that connects back to our own ancestral connection. So much work to be done, but it's good work. Yeah, and we're doing it. And honestly, this conversation and ancestral connection, ancestral healing, just engaging this is a form of resistance in that way. Mm. It, is, it is in and of itself a way of resisting colonial frameworks, you know, colonized paradigms and choosing another way. So yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah. I also want to add to that because um, you talked about resistance a little bit earlier too. And I actually have been feeling a lot of resistance, but probably not in the way that you'd expect. For mm -hmm. me, for instance, like you hear the phrase rest is resistance a lot now. Mm -hmm. For me, <laughs> I enjoy rest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rest as resistance isn't really as hard for me, but sometimes I do feel this resistance in my ancestral connection sometimes because I feel like at least our most recent ancestors had to do a lot to survive, like you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. um, so they had a lot of resistance in the sense of maintaining um, a lifestyle to stay alive. As I'm exploring being seen and standing in my truth, I sometimes feel a bit of resistance um, that I think I'm still overcoming. Yes. Um, yeah, that is tapped into ancestral healing as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, no, yeah, for real. That's yeah. a good word. I don't even know how to put into words my response. I mean, I just really want to receive what you said, you know, with, um, I guess, a level of solidarity, but also compassion for you, because that is very real to feel, um, to feel that almost, it's almost like a spiritual otherworldly resistance mm, that yeah. is on your shoulders. Yeah. And I know it on a different level, you know, on a different, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a different way, you absolutely 100% inherit that shit. You know, you really do, but you also inherit the power and the beauty and the untapped, the untapped mm -hmm. stuff that they didn't get to tap into. Yep. Um, you get, you inherit that and you get to tap into it and you tap into it for your future. Yeah. you know, people that are coming after you. Yes, indeed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a good word. I love it. So as we wrap up our conversation and our episode this week and this time, there's something very fun that I wanted to share. I got a new Oracle deck just recently, and it is called Wild Kuan Yin Oracle. And the very same day that we talked about 
this conversation on ancestors, I pulled an oracle card that said, are you ready? I'm ready. It says, Ancestral Guardians of Light is the name of the card that I chose. Well, it chose me, I must say. And when I pulled it, it felt so meaningful, um, the words that were written in it. It talked about how souls travel in groups to grow and evolve together. It talked about breaking away from destructive belief systems. And it talked about not being afraid to lead by our own example. And around the same time, I want to say it was that same day or the next day, I was on Instagram. And the next post from Christina Cleveland was a Black Madonna post where she talked about Kuan Yin. And it was her post about the divine shepherdess, the one she calls, she who clears our path. So I just thought it was so meaningful that we were getting ready for this conversation. And all of a sudden, I also got this guidance and this oracle card about ancestors. I love it. The alignment. The alignment. So good. Well, thank you for sharing that resource with me and with our listeners. We're going to put that in the show notes so you can check out that deck for yourself if you want. And uh, we are so excited to wrap up our third episode. We're really getting in the groove here. We've got some really, really good episodes coming up. We're going to continue to dig deeper into this extended conversation. We hope you'll consider subscribing to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. It would help us out so much if you would rate us with a good rating, (laughs) a great rating. And if you could share and follow us on social media at Nuance Tea Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, we would love to engage with you. We post regular thoughtful content every week. And of course, of course, of course, we have to shout out at Sharika that with her song jam session, which is our theme song for the season. So jam session. <laughs> we are so grateful for your listening and we will see you in a couple of weeks.